Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you guys here this morning. Um, as I said before, my name's Aaron, and I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're super glad that you are here. We are in the middle of a series called This Is Us. There's a reason why we do this. We do a, a series similar to this um, each and every year where we go over some of the things that we really value here at Bridgewater Church, okay? Um, why would we do that? Well, values drive your decisions. Do you know that? You make decisions out of every single one of your values. And so, over the last couple of weeks and into even next week, we are talking about the things that we really value, but again, the things that you say you value are really only your values if they drive what you do. That's a big deal. Well, good morning, Todd. Good to see you. Would you all like to say hi to my lovely assistant, Todd? Thank you, Todd. <laughs> Woo! There we go. So this morning, we're going to talk about one of our values, the value that revolves around the idea of community, and I'll explain it to you as we go. But I want to start this morning with a quote that I came across that uh, really kind of shook me, okay? It was a quote from a guy named Albert Schweitzer, and he said this. He said, we are all so much together. Before I give you the rest of the quote, let me explain what I think he was meaning, we, we spend time around people all the time. We are so connected today because of cell phones, right? Everybody, anybody and everybody can get in touch with you as long as you're not on that dreaded do not disturb button. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We are so connected with our cell phones. We're so connected with the internet, you know, when I was growing up, well, I think it was actually, I think it was invented before I was born, but I don't really remember it until I was like 10, 11, 12. Some of you have never experienced life without the World Wide Web. Congratulations. You're, you're, you're quite young. That's good, okay? We have social media, right? We have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have TikTok, we have all those things, and we are so connected. We are all so much together. Like, we can talk to each other and interact with each other and see each other. We have FaceTime and, and, and you know, all kinds of things that we can connect with each other at any moment. But the, here's the reality. We are all dying of loneliness. I think COVID showed us this. I think the reality is that there's so many people that we can have connections with. But if you ever start tracing out why we have such a mental health crisis on our hands in the U.S., it's because even though we are, you know, so much together, we don't take the time to really get to know each other. Can you identify? I've found that to be true. And thankfully, God has given us some supports for everyday life, some supports that actually help us. In fact, I think, I think the, the Scripture makes it plain that there are three supports that God designed to hold up our lives. It's a little bit like this three-legged stool, okay? Now, we're going we're gonna to have some fun with this. This is a beautiful stool, isn't it? 
right? I'm going to need a volunteer. I need somebody to come up here and stand on the stool for me. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to... I'm not going to make you do that. <laughs> Come on up, you're ready. You guys know exactly what would happen if I removed one of those legs, don't you? Now, if I were to sit on this, okay, this stool is designed for a plant holder, so I'll be very careful, you know. If I were to remove one of them, Ah, surely I could balance it for, for a while. But eventually, just like a child who likes to lean back on a chair, what's going to happen? I'm going to fall. And God in His Word has given us three supports that are designed to help us. I want to walk you through them before I really dig into where we're going to go today. Let me share with you the three supports that I think make life better, that are designed to make life easier for us and to keep us from, from running in full speed into brick walls, these supports that, that help us uphold us through the difficulties of life. The first is one that you would probably expect me to say, is it's actually God's Word. God's given us His Word to, to support us and to guide us and to guard us. You know, the Scripture tells us a little bit about this. A man named David wrote this incredible um, song about God and, and, and all of the good things that he brings into our lives. In Psalm 119, in verse 105, David said this about the, God's Word. He says, Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet, and it's a light for my path. Each night um, at, at my home, we live up uh, kind of on the outskirts of Vestal, up on the hill. There's no street lights up there. I don't know if you know this, but it gets a little dark at night. And we have chickens, and um, you know my children uh, do a lot with the chickens, but going out at night and putting the chickens away is not one of their favorite things to do. And so I have to go out. I, I put on a headlamp every night. I go out there, close the doors, make sure they're all in there. There's like, I don't know, it feels like there's like 50 of them. There's probably, I don't know, 30 of them now. And there we go out there, close one of the doors, and then we have four roosters. Their days are numbered, and they kind of, you know, they're in another pen, and we go and we, we, we close them in, and they don't like to go in the box that they're supposed to go in. And I've gone out there, and I've tried putting them away without a light and without a lamp, and I'm telling you it hurts because you know what I've done? Invariably, I've run into a fence post. Invariably, I've run into their box. Invariably, I'm reaching in for those chickens, and do you know what they do? They bite me, <laughs> and I feed them. Like, literally. And in so many ways, having that lamp helps me. It guards me. It protects me. It keeps me from tripping and falling in so many ways. Listen, I don't, I don't know who you are or where you've been or what's going on in your life, but I will tell you God's Word isn't just this dusty old book filled with rules, do's, and don'ts. It is a light to you. It is a lamp for you and for me. It is. It keeps me. You see, every time God says don't, he's also saying don't hurt yourself. He's the originator of life. He knows what works and what doesn't. And he's given us his word to help us. That is one of these supports. The second is actually God's spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, you can read about um, every now and then kings, prophets, priests, and kings would have, would have God's Spirit working and guiding them. But the interesting thing is when Jesus came 
And after his, right before his death, burial, and resurrection, he told us, he told his followers, he said, I'm going to send to you that Holy Spirit, and he will permanently stay with you. And so there's something new for, for those of us after Jesus. The Holy Spirit has come to support you and uphold you and help you and guard you and guide you and tell you what's right and what's wrong and to keep you from going down paths that are filled with red flags. God's Spirit is there. As a guard. In, in John chapter 14, we read about it. Here's, here's what Jesus had to say. He said, when the Father sends the advocate, that's one of the names for the Holy Spirit, an advocate is somebody who's on your side, by the way, which I, I could use an advocate every now and then, couldn't you? Somebody who's on my side rooting for me, cheering for me, guarding me, telling me, you, you know, watch out for this, don't go here. That's what he does When the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, okay, He will teach you everything and He will remind you of everything I have told you. This is what the Holy Spirit came to do. He came to help you, guard you, guide you, help you, remind you. You know, when we gather and we study God's Word, the Holy Spirit is going to take that and He's going to remind you of it. When you study it on your own, when you meet in a group and you go through God's Word, the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of things that Jesus has spoken into your life. A little bit later in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 16, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will be a gift to protect you and to guard you and to guide you. This is part of what God has designed. These are two of the supports. Now, here's the thing. The third one gets a little more tricky. Here's the third one. We have God's Word, we have God's Spirit, and we have God's people. Now, here's the thing. Can we just be honest for a minute? God's people are a little messy. Okay, I'm going to say it louder for those in the back. God's people are a little messy. I'm a little messy. Sometimes I'm a little bit cranky. Okay? You may not think that. You see me here and I can be all joyful, but you know, you can ask my wife and my children and the reality is we all have hard days. You ever have those days when you just don't want to people? Like, amen, preach it, brother. Yeah, I get it. Okay. God's people are messy. And yet, God intended for me to grow through your messiness and for you to grow through my messiness. You know how I know this? Scripture tells me. Now, I could take you to myriads of places, but let me just show you some of the benefits of being in community with God's people. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 talks about this. Verses 9, 10, and 12. These are some of the verses I'm going to show you. 9 and 10 say this, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. You know this. You know when you're undertaking a big endeavor, it is helpful to have someone else especially somebody else who wants to accomplish the same thing you want to accomplish, right? Don't get me wrong. I've had people that I've been like, okay, one plus one is actually a negative, okay? We've, we've been around that. But, but in reality, when you're both pulling in the same direction, two people is always better than one, right? Not only that, if one person falls, the other can reach out 
and can help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Verse 12 says this, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and they can conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So the three supports that God has given to us, that God in His infinite wisdom, okay? And you can, you can argue with what I'm going to talk about as far as application today, but I will tell you, if you're going to take God at His word seriously, you can't argue with the fact that God has given us these three things, God's word, God's spirit, and God's people to help us. This is why around here we say life is better connected. That's why we say that. And here's what we mean. We need we mean we need other messy people in our lives just like we are messy. But you know what happens when you try to go without one of them? Now I'm going to pick my feet up. Are you ready? No, I'm not. I'm not that stupid. <laughs> okay. You understand exactly what would happen. The first thing is I would fall and make a fool of myself. The second is I'd break the stool. And I'd have a real problem. And I'm pretty convinced that more often than not, you and I tend to cut one of the three out. Sometimes we cut God's word out. Sometimes we cut God's spirit out. We say, I got this. I'm, I'm good. But more often than not, here in the United States, as rugged individualistic Christians, we tend to cut God's people out. And here's why. I tend to think that I'm pretty good on my own. How about you? I tend to think that I've got this. I'm good. I'm good to go. I don't need anybody's help. Until I'm not. Until my world is crashing. There's problems in my marriage, or there's problems with my kids, or there's problems in my job, and my world is falling apart. And now, now what? And I'm telling you, God has designed us for something different. That is why I need community. This is the very reason. It's why I need community. It's why I need it. It's why I need to plan for it and build it into my life. I need to think about, regardless of what that looks like, I need to have people in my life who care for me and support me and watch over me, and I am caring for them and supporting them and watching over them, and I am just convinced that life is better when we do community. And what I want to do today is walk you through a passage written to a group of believers who lived in modern-day Turkey. They lived in an area called Colossae. It's about two hours in from the western coast of Turkey, very close to uh, uh, Laodicea, which is maybe a, a, a name that you've heard before. Paul wrote a letter to these believers, and he told them that life is better when we are connected, 
that we will become more mature, that we will have the ability to grow more like Jesus when we take these three keys and we put them into our daily lives. So let me walk you through what Paul has to say in Colossians chapter 1. In fact, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn there. We're going to spend most of our time in Colossians 2, okay? But I want to show you what what it says. Starting in verse 28 of Colossians chapter 1, it says this. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, with all the wisdom that God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. Now, I share this with you because I want you to see what Paul's goal is. Paul is writing to a group of believers in a place that he's never been. He hasn't met them, okay? But he knows that there's believers there, and he's writing to them because he wants to make sure that they are growing and being perfected and made mature in Jesus. Can can I translate that today? He wants their lives to look more and more like Jesus day after day. And by the way, that's our goal for you as well. So then he goes on, verse 29, he says this, that's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Why does he, why does he work and struggle? Why is, by the way, Paul currently held in, in um, house arrest in Rome? Because he had been striving to tell as many people about Jesus and striving to teach God's word and, and that was unpopular. And so he was put under arrest Paul says, I'm giving of my energy and my time, and I'm struggling towards this end. And then in verse 1, he says this, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. What is Paul doing? He's working. He's struggling. He's agonizing. He's caring for these believers. Here's what I've found. I've found that life is better when we actually fight for one another. Life is better when I orient my life to care about somebody else and to fight for them. When I orient my life to pray for them, to hear their burdens, to to carry their burdens with them. Life is better when people do that with me. Life is so much better when people care enough to go, hey, you look down today. How's it going? What's going on? Can we talk? I'm praying for you. Life is so much better when when things go on in my life and somebody is willing to hold me accountable. Life is so much better when people are willing to ask me hard questions. It's better when they're willing to get uncomfortable and to be inconvenienced, to struggle, to work to agonize. I'll tell you, it's more comfortable staying at home. It's easier in the short run. You can watch more TV that way. You can Netflix and chill or whatever it is the kids are doing these days. I don't know. But I'm telling you, at some point, you're going to need that support. And so do I. This is why, this is why we do community. 
This is why we organize groups. This is why Dan and I come up here this morning and we joke around and I'm sorry that we didn't talk about, there's, there's a Tuesday night group, by the way. There's a Wednesday night group. There's a Saturday morning group. I think there's even a Sunday group. I mean, there's all kinds of groups that are going on and, and we do this. Because at some point, you're going to hit something and you're going to need somebody who says, you know what, I'm going to fight for you. 20 years ago, I met somebody named Jason. He's been my best friend since then, and he has done this for me. And I've done it for him. He'll call me. He knows me in and out. He knows my struggles. He'll call me and say, hey, how's that going? He asks me the hard questions. I don't always like the hard questions. But you know what? I'm more like Jesus today because of him, and he's more like Jesus today because of me. Who do you, who do you have? Who's in your life that's fighting for you and that you're fighting for? Let me show you what it looks like to fight for somebody. Paul writes to the, the Christians in Rome, and he, he, he talks about it in Romans chapter 12. He says this, look, look at what he says, be devoted to one another in love. That's what it looks like to fight for somebody, to be devoted to them, to, to love them, even when they're not lovely, by the way. That's the fun piece, right? Honor one another above yourselves. Put them above yourselves. Then he says, be joyful in hope. When things are going well, rejoice, that's great. Be patient when there's affliction, when things are going poorly, be patient. God is up to something. And then he says, be faithful in prayer. This is what it looks like to fight for somebody. He goes on, he says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. When somebody is struggling, we step up. We don't step back. That's what it looks like to fight. And then he says, bless those who persecute you. Because sometimes, I I think in this context, I think he's talking about people who are not believers who are persecuting them in this community. But I will tell you, sometimes even within the Christian community, people get sideways. And maybe, just maybe, we need to learn to bless one another. Bless And do not curse. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Wow. This is what it looks like to fight for one another. And when you have somebody doing this for you, life is better. Right? When you have somebody who will, who will come alongside you, will pray for you, somebody who, who will tell you the truth, someone who will share with you, someone who is devoted to you in love, somebody who is faithful in prayer and patient in affliction, when you have this, life is better connected. Second, look at what else Paul says to the church of Colossae in verse 2. Chapter 2 and verse 2, he says this. He says, I want them to be encouraged. Who's the them? The the, the people there in Colossae, the people in Laodicea, and then people all over who don't even know Paul. He wants them to be encouraged, and he wants them to be knit together by, by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. 
Paul is saying, I want them to be encouraged and I want them to be built together. And then he says this about Jesus in verse 3. He says, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So what is he trying to build up? And what, what are those three supports trying to do? God's word, God's spirit, and God's people, they're all trying to teach us more about Christ and build us into looking and acting more like Christ. That's the goal. In what he was saying is one of the keys, I think, to finding this better life. It's this. Life is better when we encourage one another. The idea of encouraging is just pouring out into somebody else. Pouring something good into someone else. I have a friend in my small group here. He has to work today. He's not here today, but um, about once or twice a week, you know, he, he knows the different things that I'm praying over, wrestling through, struggling with. And I've only been here, you guys know, I've only been here about 15 months, and yet, you know, the people in my small group, we've become very, very close. And, you know, this gentleman in particular sends me a text two or three times a week saying, Aaron, I'm praying over this circumstance in your life. Can I tell you what that does for me? Boy, life is better when we're trying to encourage each other, when we're caring, when we're paying attention and encouraging one another. Life is better when we're speaking life into each other. You know, we have this thing in our, our, our family where we're, we're raising, I call it a thing, but we're raising three kids. Uh, it's, a, it's a thing, okay? Can, you know, can, can anybody identify? Um, 15, 12, and 9, okay? Um, and they are amazing, and I love them so very much. But, you know, I remember this as a kid. I struggled with my words towards my brother when I was a kid. And, and, and um, sometimes kids like to say mean things. Ever notice that? Uh, let's back up. Sometimes people say mean things. And so when we hear statements in our home where people are tearing other people down, I try to, I'm not perfect at this, but I try to go back to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 and talk to them about using their words to build up and to encourage rather than to tear down. This is what Ephesians 4.29 says. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The criteria is this. Is it helpful for building others up or is it tearing down? Listen, in when, when you are in community and when you have people that you care for, this is the goal. And, and when you have people that care for you, this is the goal. For them to speak words into your life that build you up. I'm not telling you words that just tickle your ears and make you feel good. I'm telling you they're willing to ask you the hard questions and then tell you God is more than enough to help and to support you through this. Let's get a plan for accountability. If you're here and you're 13, you need this. If you're here and you're 33, you need this. 53, 73, 93. I don't care how old you are. The enemy still wants you. And you need people who are watching over you. Speaking truth into your life. So 
do I. Life is better when we encourage one another. Continuing on in Colossians, here's what he says, verse 4. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. I'm telling you what we need to do. We need to fight for one another. We need to encourage one another so that when some things come into your life that could derail you from following Jesus and growing in Jesus, I want you to be aware, okay? And you will have, you will have these supports, but if you remove one, guess what could happen? You could get derailed. Then he says this, for though I am... Far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Verse 6, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Verse 7, let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that you and I need to grow, and the more that we are growing in God's Word and God's Spirit and God's people, we will grow mature. Let your roots grow down into Him. Let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. We need our lives built on Jesus. And here's what I found. When I do that with other people, when I share my life with other people, I grow and they grow, and life is so much better when we grow together. When I try to live by myself, man, life gets pretty lonely, and I can have all kinds of voices up here. But when I'm able to do life with other people, when I'm intentional, and when I work, to cultivate those relationships. Yes, I'm still in God's Word. Yes, I'm still depending on God's Spirit. But yes, I really need God's people so that I can grow. I find that life is better. I came across a quote from several years ago by a pastor named Dallas Willard. And he talked about what it looks like to know whether or not people are growing. I think it's really easy for us to say, oh, yeah, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing, okay. How how do we measure that? Well, when you're in community, somebody knows you and sees you. Somebody knows what your life looks like, and they can tell. (laughs) The people around me can tell whether or not I'm growing. And Dallas Willard said this about growth. And this, can I just tell you, this one's going to be uncomfortable. He said this, you can tell a person is growing spiritually if they are becoming less irritable, less critical, and more joy-filled. That one's fun. In my day in and day out, becoming less irritable. Am I becoming less critical of other people and things and do I rant and rave about our government or the state of New York or (laughs) nobody ever complains about that or am I becoming joy filled and trust oriented and you know what I may not like everything but God is 
up to something. When I share my life with other people and I open up and I involve them into my life and I tell them that I want to grow and I take the steps along with them, guess what happens? I become less irritable. I become less cynical, less full of complaint. And I become more joy-filled. So here's what I want to do. I just want to invite you into that with me. I don't, I don't think here at Bridgewater we have the perfect plan, okay? We, we do small groups that meet. I don't think it's the perfect plan. There isn't a perfect plan. But if you don't have a plan to meet with somebody, whether it's once a week over coffee or over lunch or whatever, if you don't have something in your life where you are able to be honest and people can be honest with you and you can look at God's Word and you can apply it, can I just ask you, would you be brave today? And would you take a step? In fact, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to take a step towards community. There's really, there's really three steps that we take in community. Here's what they are. The first one, if we can put that up there, it's really simple. You sign up. The second one is you show up. And the third one is you open up. Now, I don't know which one is the right one for you. If you're already in a group, maybe you need to be there regularly, so you show up. If you're already showing up regularly, now the step is to open up and tell the truth. But if you're not in one, I'm telling you, today's the day you sign up. Because life is better when we fight for one another. Life is better when we encourage one another. And life is better when we grow together. Otherwise, well, I wish I had the guts to show you what happens, but I won't. You know. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you that you love us enough to give us wisdom in your word. Thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth, to call us to things that are at times uncomfortable and yet they're still good for us. And thank you, God, that you love us enough to give us help. Help in your word, help in community, and help with your spirit. God, I, I pray pray that we would take that step today. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.